Well, buenos días familia, buenos días, Uf. All right. buenos días familia, okay, 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 we're starting, we're starting, um, man, there is so much going on in our church and I just love it, like we had some friends get married yesterday from our church um, and then next Sunday we're going to be celebrating a marriage that's going to be happening, so how many of you know Kevin and Avery? Kevin and Avery. Okay, so they're having a wedding shower next Sunday, and that's just another thing that'll be happening. Uh, and it'll be um, after our services, and so you're welcome to come. We're inviting our whole church family. And if you want to bring some, like, carrots with ranch or something, like, go for it. Like, I'm not going to stop you. Or potluck style. Yeah, potluck style. So that means celery and ranch, not carrots and ranch. That's what I'm bringing. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, but welcome, and if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Misael, and we value family here. We value familia. And so whenever we do stuff together, sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's not cool, but man, we're familia, we're family, and we're gonna do it together. And that's just what I value so much about our church. Um, and as a church, sometimes we ask really hard questions, and sometimes we ask really easy questions. So we're in this series where we're asking some really hard questions together. And so we've asked things about like, you know, why do good things happen to bad people? Or why do bad things happen to good people? And is there this life after death? We've asked all these kinds of questions. And so we're going to continue in that series together. And today we're going to ask a question that, that's maybe a little uncomfy for us. But it's a question that I've been asked before. And maybe it's a question you've been asked before. And so here's the title of the message today and also the question we're going to try to answer. Are all Christians Republicans? Are all Christians Republican? I don't know if you've ever been asked that question before, but I've been walking around either in Tulsa or in California or just in my life, and, and whether it's a believer or a non-believer, they just kind of subtly ask me. They're like, hey, uh, you're, you're a pastor, right? You do ministry stuff, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, what's up? And they go, hey, like, do I, do I need to be, like, a Republican if I want to be a Christian? And I'm just like, where did that question come from? And so today we're going to try to answer that question of, are all Christians Republican? And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be in verses 14 to 16. And as you get there, I just want to give you a little bit of context because we want to use the Bible to answer all the questions that we have. And we want to use the Bible to direct us. And, and so, again, this uncomfy question of, like, are all Christians Republican is hopefully something that captures your attention. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, here's just, like, a little bit of context of, of what's happening before we get to verse 14. So this is Jesus, and he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. It's some, what some people call the Beatitudes. And what Jesus has just got done doing is he's saying, there is a blessing in following me. There is a blessing in, in following my characteristics. And he says, man, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are peaceful in heart. Man, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who cry because they have a great comforter. And so he's just saying all these things. Man, blessed are those who follow me and there's a blessing. And so all of these characteristics are these characteristics that Jesus has in mind when he's saying, man, you are the salt and you are the light of the world. He's saying you're these people that carry these characteristics, these qualities into all of the world. 
And so, if you're with me, let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. It says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. This is the text for us. And and again, our focus is trying to answer that question of, are all Christians Republican? And here's the thing. I think I have to admit that this question is really just a question that we ask in the United States. Like, you're not going to go to Canada. You're not going to go somewhere in Latin America and, and ask this question because for them, they're like, well, what's a Republican? Like, what do you mean? And so for us here in the United States, in our context, I think it's valuable for us to just think about this question and see what the Lord has to say for us. And so the long story short, if you just are curious, are all Christians Republican? The long story short is no. Okay, so you can write that down. The long story short is that it's no. And, uh, you know, I was talking with some pastors this, uh, this past week, and, and as when I was talking to them, I was telling them a little bit about this sermon of like, hey, like, here's the title, here's what we'd be talking about, like, what do you guys think? And these pastors who are way older than I am, they said, well, I have two suggestions for you whenever you're talking about this kind of stuff in church. He goes, the first thing, man, point people to the kingdom of God. Point people to Jesus and in everything that you do in the scripture, even, even in this context of this question, man, point people to Jesus. And I was like, okay, and what's the second thing? They said, well, honestly, the second thing is that offending everyone is the best way to go. And I was like, what do you mean? They said, well, if you offend everybody, the Republican, the Democrat, the in-between, the whatever, if you offend everyone, then everyone can be like, hey, you know what? He offended us all. We're okay. We're going to laugh about it. And I was like, well. All right, cool. And so I'm not actually I'm actually not going to offend. I'm going to try not to offend uh, everybody in the room. Um, but the thing is, is that my whole goal is to point us to Jesus. Like my whole goal is to point us to the kingdom of God, and my whole goal is to point us to saying, "Man, let, let's be the people who recognize." like where our context is and recognize that when we look at different cultures, okay, we look at specific cultures, it almost seems like every culture tries so hard to maintain their culture at the expense of sharing Christ. Like they so much rather maintain their culture and keep their culture rather than sharing the Christ that transforms every aspect of our culture. And so let's be the people that recognize that and be the people who lean on Christ and lean on Jesus and say, Jesus, like, I'm a follower of yours before anything else. Like, Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ before anything else. And so as we look at this scripture, that's where I want to point us to, that before anything else, we are followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we are salt but also we are the light of the world. And so here's the first point for us as we answer this question as, and as we think about this topic. The first point for us is this. We have a personal light. We have a personal light. I want you to look at these verses again. It says, you are the light of the world. And then it keeps going about this lamp that shouldn't be put under a bowl. And it says, let your light shine Man, so everyone may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
And so you might be asking, okay, like, how can I become the light of the world? Like, can you become the light of the world on your own? Well, in order to figure out how to become the light of the world, we have to look at who is the light of the world, and that's Jesus. So Jesus is the light of the world. And so I want you to write down some scriptures with me. The first scripture I want you to write down is, is John 8, 12. John 8, 12 talks about Jesus being the light of the world. It says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then 1 John verses one, or verse, or chapter 1, verse 5 says this, This is the message we have heard from him, who's Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is the light, and in him is no darkness at all. And so Jesus is the light of the world, and whenever we put our faith and trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you, I'm a sinner, man, transform me. What's so amazing is that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and now as we walk around, we carry the light of the world because we have Jesus. And what I love in what Acts chapter 13 verse 47 says is this, I love how it frames it for us. It says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Man, right here is just just helping us one more time, just help us evaluate and say, man, if I've put my faith and trust in Jesus and have the Holy Spirit inside of me, Man, that's for a purpose and that's for a reason to take this salvation, to take this light to all the ends of the earth. And so I thought about illustrating this and bringing like a little light and then like a little bowl that I have and putting the bowl over the light. But I was like, I feel like this is pretty self-explanatory that a light matters, like light matters in a room. And you might be asking, okay, but does one light matter? Does one light matter? Like Misael, like, like... Does the light that I have even matter? Well, if you've ever been maybe like in a hailstorm or ever been like in a winter storm or something and all the lights go out and you have to like get all the candles and light the candles because you have no electricity, I think really quickly you find out that one light, one candle, man, it really does matter. One light, one candle matters a lot. And, and for us, when we think about it, One light matters. One person who's been saved by Jesus matters. Number one, because they have found salvation. They found the grace of God. And number two, when we look at them, man, their light is so needed. Like the light that we have, that we carry, is so needed in the world around us. It's so needed in the context in which we walk. It is so needed because people need Jesus And people who are around us and closest to us who can see that light or feel that light, man, they need that, the people closest to us. But it's not just the people closest to us. Whenever we look at this passage together, it says, let your light shine before others so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, our light matters and and our light must shine because all the people, whether it's just the people closest to us or people who we're interacting with in different aspects of life, man, sometimes we are the only light that they see. They're the only one. And so as I talk about this, you might be asking, Misael, but what does this matter or what does this have to do with answering the question if all Christians are Republican? Like why, why are we talking about that? Well, when we look at scripture and we look at the life of Paul, I want you to think about the life of Paul in the Bible. 
For him, he took being a light to the world really, really serious. And what Paul did is absolutely extraordinary. What he says is like, he's like, I became all things to all people. And what's interesting about Paul is that he was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen. And what Paul did is that he actually was a great steward of that Roman citizenship. Or he entered places that non-Roman citizens could never even dream of walking into. And he walked in as a Roman citizen and said, hey, I can come in here and they can't. But just let me tell you about this Jesus that I know. So he used his Roman citizenship not as, a, not as a, like a flag to wave. And he didn't use his political party as like a flag to wave and say, hey, man, look at that. But, but he used it in such a way and stewarded it in such a way to say, you know what, because I am a Roman citizen... I mean, I can walk in and I can share the gospel and I can present the kingdom of God to you. And so it just kind of makes me ask a question, like, for us, are we using our citizenship or, or our political party as a flag to wave, or are we using it as a tool or as a key in order to share the gospel with people? Because that's what Paul did. Paul walked in and he used his citizenship as a tool and as a key to share the gospel with others. And then whenever we look at Paul, you know, Paul is all about the people. And I know it's easy to debate politics and political issues and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that political issues are, are really people issues. And what Paul focused on was, was the people and he prayed for the people. And when I look about us shining our light, man, it's shining our light to the people. And what's so challenging for me is, am I praying for the politics, or am I praying for the people behind the politics? Am I praying for their heart, for their salvation? And, you know, when I talk about this with, with other people and, and when I have in the past, it's really interesting because, you know, sometimes people, especially in our context in Oklahoma, you know, being a red state and all that, like, people equate being Republican to being Christian. And, and some people are like, well, Misaid, like, if, if only everyone was a, a Republican, we would be okay. Or, or Misael, if everyone just thought like a Republican in Oklahoma, like all of our problems would just go away. And I'm like, well, think about this. Think about this. If everyone thought like a Republican, we would still all be sinners. And so really the problem in our state, in our world, in our country, whatever, it's not that everyone should be Republican or Democrat or something else. Our problem is sin. Our problem is that we are sinful human beings, and no matter what party you fall into, man, we are sinful, and we need Jesus to fix it. Like, we need Jesus to be transformed. And so I say this because literally this past week on Friday, uh, I was touring this school called Ochoa Elementary, and it's over there close to Garnett. And, uh, and I was just, you know, touring the school, and I was meeting different teachers and staff members and when I was walking around, one of the staff members was just telling me just about the school and who's in the school and the families. And I asked the teacher a question. I said, hey, like, tell me about the challenge, the, like, the biggest challenges that people face and the biggest challenges that families face of these kids and, and maybe their biggest problem. And so the staff member told me all these things uh, about the families and all the challenges that they face and all the problems that they face. And as I listen... I, I took it all in, and I, and I looked at this staff member. I said, you know what? Man, these families need Jesus. Like, I hear your problems, but, man, they need Jesus. And this staff member is from California, and the staff member looked at me and, and was like, 
what do you mean? Like, like, I don't get that. Like, what do you mean they need Jesus? And so I had this moment where I was able to share the gospel with a staff member and just tell her why Jesus is the solution to all of our problems and all the problems of these families. And yes, there's these practical challenges and physical challenges, but at the end of the day, man, the spiritual challenge is the most important. And so when I got done, this, this staff member looked at me and was like, huh, I've never thought about that. And I'm going to have to keep thinking more about that and ask you more questions because this is the first time that I'm really thinking through that. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm the first one to present Jesus as a solution to the problem. So as we look at different things in our culture and our context, man, let's make sure we understand that no matter what, man, we are sinful people no matter where we land politically. Like sin is the biggest problem. We need Jesus to fix it. And so what Jesus has done, he's transformed us. And now we get to participate in that solution, which is beautiful. And what's amazing is that we don't do it alone. Okay, so we have this personal light. But here's the second point that we have. We have this congregational light. Congregational light is our second point. And so what I mean by congregational is congregational is really this word or congregation is this word that defines the local church. This local church that gathers together like us on Sunday. And so we gather together on Sunday to huddle up and hang out and worship the Lord and prepare ourselves for the following week. And we meet at 9.30 and 11 and 12.30 and we have a great time. But this congregation, us, we are to shine our light together. We're to do it together. And, and again, how many of you have been to like a candlelight service? Let me just ask that, candlelight service. I think it's so cool when like one person has a candle and then we like pass the candle around and like everybody's candle lights up. It's just beautiful how like the whole room just lights up. And so we have a responsibility together to shine our light into the world. Again, if you look at verse 14 with me, it says it's like a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And so whenever I think about us, we are this town, we are this city on a hill together as this congregation to shine a light to this community, to shine a light to this world, to say, look what the Lord can do through people who are so different because the gospel unites us. And I just need to say, like, familia, friends, I'm just really proud of what we have done this past summer um, and going into our community. I'm so proud of how we continue to take out blessing bags to all the businesses and being able to pray with business leaders and people who are working there. And I'm so proud of what we're going to do with the Trunk Retreat and all the things we're doing to be in the community and going to where the community's at. Because we are supposed to take that light and we're supposed to be sent together. So not just on our own, not just personally, but we have this responsibility together to be sent and to share the gospel and to be able to show a community how powerful the gospel is because the gospel is so powerful that it brings people from all different backgrounds, all different opinions, and unites them under one Lord, one spirit, one church, one purpose. And uh, I was actually, again, I was hanging out with too many pastors this past week. And again, I was talking to them and talking to some other pastors, and I was just telling them about you guys. I was telling them about you and just how awesome you are. And I was telling them about our church and how we were like unapologetically bilingual, bilingual. And, and they were just trying to really understand what that meant. And I was trying to paint the picture to them and, and saying, hey, like, this is what it looks like. 
And one of the questions that they asked me was just absolutely ridiculous. I was just like, what are you talking about? Here's their question. Their question was like, hey, so like when you guys serve together, like do the Anglos serve over here and then the Hispanics serve over here? And I was like, hmm? And they're like, no, you know, like, like, when, you, like when you do events, you know, and the events, like do you have like an Anglo event and like a Hispanic event? And I was like, hmm? Are you serious right now? Like is that a real question? I was like, no, we do not do that. I said, we are one bilingual family of faith. We are one family, one familia, una familia. I said, whenever we serve, we serve together. That means Anglo, Hispanic, whatever else. I said, whenever we serve, that means like older person, younger person, all in between and above. I said, all of us serve together because we are the church. And I said, you know what? I said, the Democrat and the Republican, they serve together. I said, and they love each other. And it's amazing because they are united in Jesus Christ. Man, they do it together because that's how powerful the gospel is. And as people who have been transformed by the gospel, again, we have understood that at the end of the day, all of us are sinners and all of us need the grace of God and all of us need Jesus to absolutely transform us. And so as I told this pastor, uh, I was like, hey, we serve together. We do stuff together as a church. We, we don't try to separate as much as we can. Um, I told him, I said, but we do have to be honest, right? We do have to be honest that people have differences and people have difference of opinion. And with that comes some, some difficulty. I said, but here's, here's what I want to always avoid. I want to avoid non-believers or people who don't know Jesus. I want them to avoid this thought, the thought of, man, do I, do I have to be that to be a follower of Jesus? Like, do I have to be legal to be a follower of Jesus? Like, do I have to be a Republican to be a follower of Jesus? Do I have to be a Democrat to be a follower of Jesus? Like, do I need to wear that specific shoe to be a follower of Jesus? I want to avoid that. I want to avoid that because all people can come and bow before the King of Kings. And all people can, can submit themselves to Jesus as Lord of their life and and you see, Jesus changes their heart, transforms them from the inside out. And again, when I was talking to this pastor, I said, you know, if we're being honest, like, uh, there are things that Republicans have right and some things they have wrong. And, and, there's, and Democrats, there's some things they have some right and some things they have wrong. I said, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, man, we belong to Jesus first. At the end of the day, we belong to the kingdom of God First, at the end of the day, above anything else, we are followers of Jesus first. And as a church, together, man, that's what we want to have. And at the end of times, here's a little joke for us, okay? At the end of times, Jesus is not going to look at us and say, man, good and faithful Republican. At the end of times, Jesus is not going to look at us and say, man, good and faithful Democrat. Or at the end of times, and I wrote this joke so I could say it right. At the end of times, Jesus is not going to look at us and say, good and faithful person who did not choose a political party or person who never voted because you were overwhelmed with all the options. He's not going to say that. He's going to say what Matthew, again, chapter 25, verse 21 says. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
had done well and faithful servant. I knew you. You knew me. You were faithful to me. You bowed down to me. And well done, good and faithful servant. And so we are to use, as servants, all of life, all for Jesus. And so whatever context you find yourself in, if you're a citizen in here, if you're of one political party, man, use that to your advantage to share the gospel with people who you hang out with in whatever context that you're in. Share the kingdom of God. And whenever we represent the kingdom of God, man, huge things happen. You see, because when we infiltrate a community, whenever we make disciples, man, God grows the church, and that's his deal. And so let's be the people who want to see others be welcomed, welcomed into the kingdom. And so our very last applicational point for us is this, because really I think this is the real question. Though we've answered the question are all, you know, Christians, Republican, I think the real question for us is this. Are all Christians seeking the kingdom of God first? And so our point is all Christians should seek the kingdom first. You see, because again, Paul and all of his things, he tried to make it so clear to all of us that Jesus didn't die and, and, and rise from the grave for one political party or just for the Jews, but for the Gentile, for everybody. That Jesus died and rose from the grave so that all people could know him. So that all people who are spiritually dead could be made alive in him. And whenever we look at the Lord's Prayer, I think it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating because the Lord's Prayer literally starts with Jesus just magnifying God. Just magnifying the, the Father. And he's saying, man, hallowed be your name. Man, Jesus, you are, you're amazing, and God, you're amazing, and, and I just revere you. And literally right after that, it says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So after magnifying the Father, Jesus says, man, your kingdom come. I want to seek your kingdom first. And so regardless of, of where you stand politically, regardless of where you stand in, in ethnicity, nationality, opinion, thought, whatever, man, we need to seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first personally and then together. And in light of scripture, again, in light of scripture and in light of what we read, if we are seeking the kingdom first, we have to look at scripture and say, okay, in my life, and, and things around me, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Am I going to let scripture teach me, inform me, and transform me, and transform my thoughts, mold my thoughts, and take me in the right direction? Because at the end of the day, as believers, we shine the light of Jesus before anything else. We're not here to shine the light of one party or shine the light of one ethnicity or shine the light of whatever. We're here to shine the light of Jesus and Jesus alone. And then I'm going to end with this because this is another kind of joke. You see, heaven does not rejoice when someone becomes a Democrat. Heaven does not rejoice when someone becomes a Republican. Heaven does not rejoice when someone becomes a citizen of the United States. Heaven rejoices when someone becomes a citizen of heaven. Heaven rejoices when 
someone enters into the kingdom of heaven and puts their faith and trust in Jesus. And so I think that's a, a good word for us as we go out and we interact with different people and as different people come into our church and we get to know them and get to know who they are. And so in this moment, I just wanna pray for us and just ask the Lord to continue uh, to work in our hearts and our minds because uh, maybe today was something of a challenge or something of encouragement. Uh, but either way, man, I just want to respond to the Lord. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you came to die for all people, that you rose from the grave for all people, not just the Jew, but the Gentile, which means all the people who are not Jews. And God, in this moment, we, we come before you just thankful, but at the same time, so reverent and challenged of saying, Lord, forgive us, forgive me for waving this flag of, of an opinion or of a party or whatever, rather than using it as a tool and as a key to share the gospel. Lord, forgive me for those moments where I've, I've not shined your light to those closest to me or to the world. But Lord, I pray that you would encourage, encourage those in this room Lord, that they have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Lord, that they have the power of God inside of them. That wherever they walk, their light shines. And so God, I don't know what anyone or what everyone is, is going through in this moment. God, I know I have my own personal things with my family. God, help me be a light that shines bright for you and my family. A light that shines bright for you in this community. God, I pray for that staff member in Ochoa Elementary. Lord, that today that staff member would recognize their sin before a holy God. Lord, I pray for the people that, that our church has interacted with this past week. And Lord, I pray for the interactions that they're gonna have next week. Give them the boldness, Lord, to not just shine your light, but to speak of the light in which they have. God, we need you. And thank you that your word is so clear. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.